Welcome to the Next Level Faith Podcast. I'm your host, Julianne Kirkland, best-selling author and life coach. Join me each week to learn more about the strategies, tools, and mindset needed to arise from the overwhelm and live a joyful life you love. To learn how you can work with me further or to get your copy of my book, Arise and Shine, check out www.juliannekirkland.com. Also, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode because the best version of you begins on your next level of faith. Maury Oslin is a wife, a mom of three incredible humans, an entrepreneur, health and business coach, and now author. She holds a bachelor's degree in psychology and a master's in theology. As a survivor of childhood abuse and abandonment, she finally encountered freedom in Jesus in her 40s. It's now her mission to share her story with others to help them find healing and peace. Although born and raised in the Pacific Northwest, she avoids the rain at all costs. On the right occasion when the sun is out, you can find her boating or golfing. She enjoys skiing with her family in the winter. Welcome, Maury. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Next Level Faith Podcast. I'm your host, Julianne Kirkland, and I'm so excited to have Maury with me here today. Her new book, Unlovable, is going to be coming out, hopefully, hopefully at the end of this month. And I am so excited to have Maury on today during this Overcomer series that we're doing, Ordinary Women overcoming extraordinary obstacles. And I am so honored to have Maury on here today to share a little bit about her story. Welcome, Maury. Oh, well, thanks for having me, Julian. I'm like nervous, but thanks Don't for be nervous. Me. It's going to be great. It's going to be so good. It's, it's so funny going on podcasts. Like you don't really know what to expect, you know, I know. but like, it, okay. It's just a conversation that people end up listening to later. <laughs> sure. Why not? Yeah, so good. So in the book, you talk about this, I'm going to use your words, this four decade path of destruction that occurred in your life. And I remember when I wrote my book, I was like this five-year storm. And then when I read that, I was like, holy cow, like she got me beat, (laughs) you know? And so, so often people are going through these really hard things in life, these seasons, which can last for years. And there's still redemption to come. So talk a little bit about like where your journey started in that, that those decades long of your destructive path. (laughs) Yeah. So initially, of course, when we're children growing up, um, we don't really have a choice. Right. So it all started like right out the gate. My parents weren't married. It was 1978. It's free love. Um, They were very much hippie stoners, and my dad was a Cuban immigrant. My mother was an Irish immigrant, but she came at a really young age, so she was totally Americanized, and my dad and her met, and it was, you know, she came from a very abusive home, and my dad, English was his second language. They both dropped out of high school. They somehow met in Portland, Oregon, and the rest was kind of history. But I came along unexpectedly, and they were 21, 22. My dad was like, shoot, I'm going to be a dad. How do I make money? And so he started selling drugs, and he sold a lot of drugs. Mm. Um, And I was just kind of along for their crazy ride, very abusive. Um, you know, they loved me to the best of their capability, but they were young and dumb and (laughs) fueled with drugs. My dad ended up going to prison. My mom just kind of went MIA and I ended up in foster homes, bounced around. There was a lot of 
physical, not physical, but mental and sexual abuse in the foster home. So I didn't really, I, I, you know, got dropped off at the age of five. So I didn't really have any like human bond connection, um, which definitely helped harden my heart. And I was just like in survival mode. So I really had to like disassociate and, you know, harden my heart in order to survive and to get through it. And I have friends that I'm still friends with today. And when I graduated high school, my dad got out of prison. And so I didn't see him from the time I was five until I want to say my senior year in high school, may have been my junior year in high school, somewhere in there. It's funny, you block out a lot of the trauma. So there's like gaps in my memory for survival mode. Um, And I didn't see my mom either. And she was local. I just never saw her. And they both showed up to my high school graduation. It was first time I'd seen both of them like together since I was five years old. And one of my girlfriends came up to me and she was like, who... I thought your parents were dead. And I didn't even remember that. But when I was a little girl, I, that's what I told my friends to survive, that my parents were dead. And I don't even remember that. And I was like, no, they're very much alive. They're right there. Um, my mom has since passed. And my dad, you know, he he's a changed man after going through prison. So he's a good guy now. But, um, you know, all that childhood um, trauma really affected me even well into adulthood to make some very poor choices. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So talk, talk a little bit about that. Like here you are, you know, I think so often when I'm looking at my kids, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm totally screwing up my kids, <laughs> you know, and here I am trying to do my best, but it's like, there are children out there with real, real things going on, like real life traumatic events that are happening. And there you were at a, as a five-year-old, you know, being introduced to all these horrible life things that go on every day that the majority of people don't even pay attention to. Mm -hmm. And so you're now in high school where I'm going to assume the majority of people didn't pay attention to, (laughs) you know, did you find yourself kind of taking on a a persona of like, this is what it should look like. So I'm going to gravitate towards that to kind of help protect myself. For sure. So I realized at an early age, um, people like pretty, they like smart, they like fun, they like athlete, like you, you pick up on it at a really young age, like, okay, if I'm smart, my teachers will like me. If I'm pretty, the boys will like me. If I'm fun, the girls will like me. And I just became this chameleon where I could, and you know, overachieve because I'll get their love if I overachieve. So I, I played the part. I got really good grades. I was very social. Um, so school was sort of like my escape. Um, it was a place where I actually could feel some love and some acceptance, whether or not it was genuine or not. My friends had no clue. Like I, and again, I'm still friends with a lot of these people to this day, and they had no clue what I was going wow. through. Um, so it's kind of funny. You never know what people are really going through at home at all. Cause on the outside, I looked like a normal kid. I excelled at school and, you know, once I got to high school, I definitely started making, you know, the drinking and experimenting with different drugs and just trying everything. Cause I think you get a little bit older <laughs> and when you have access to things, um, right but I just tried to numb that pain and boys like attention from boys. And I think that really stems from like the sexual abuse and not having a dad, like a a firm foundation or a connection with a father figure. And I was just looking to fill it any way I could, any boy, any attention, very promiscuous. 
Yeah. And, you know, I didn't ever know God. We didn't really go to church except for, you know, when I got a little older and had kids of my own, I was like, okay, maybe I should, you know, take them on Easter. Christian. We'll talk about that because in your book, she she said, I was a CEO Christian. So talk about being a CEO Christian, what that means. Well, I don't know. You do. You have this idea, right? And then I went to school for psychology because I really wanted to fix myself. And so then I became a parent. I got pregnant really young. I got a part the week before I turned 21. I found out I was pregnant for the first time. And um, I was like, shoot, but it did force me to grow up because I was just determined that they were not going to have any sort of lifestyle, anything like mine. They were, you know, going to have a loving parents at home. I had this, you know, Cosby show, leave it to beaver, whatever you want to call it idea in my head of what it should be like. Cause that's all, that's the only normal thing I saw was whatever I saw on TV. sitcoms. That was my idea of what a family should be like. And I had a few good friends that, you know, their parents, I saw, Oh, okay, well, this is what I want for my family when I grow up. Um, so I really tried to get a little bit of that, but you know, when you, we got, we didn't get married until after the first and second child was born. And then I was like, Oh, well, maybe we should get married. Literally that part of my book, I said, this is what you shouldn't do. And then we got married and it didn't work. And a year later we were divorced. Um, and so as a single mom trying to parent, um, church was sort of, uh, a luxury. <laughs> I yeah. was like, okay, um, maybe we'll go to church today. Um, so yeah, it was, yeah. it was not strictly yeah. enforced in our yeah, house. Christian <laughs> and Easter only. That's what CEO yes. stands for. Yeah. <laughs> <Christian> <laughs> <and> Easter only. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but so many people, so many people operate that way. So when, I mean, I know from, you know, the moment that you arrived on the planet, God was chasing your heart down, but, but when did you start to, um, look his way? Like, when did you start to, to turn and say, you know what, this isn't working for me. (laughs) So maybe I should try something different. (laughs) I am super stubborn, slow learner, hard headed. Um, and honestly, I felt like when I was thinking about my life, I was like, wow, I was like, Moses in the wilderness for literally 40 years on a journey that could have been much shorter and less painful than it was, but I didn't know any better. I did not have a parent or anyone sit me down and be like, Hey, this is what you should be doing. And if anyone tried, I don't remember. And I was probably too stubborn to listen to be honest with you, but I just didn't have any guidance. So I had to figure everything out the hard way on my own. And when I was 40, I, you know, had already been divorced once, had two girls. They were now in high school. I got married again. Um, when they were younger, I got married again. And then we had a surprise bonus child um, when the girls were in high school. It wasn't planned. We actually did try five years prior and it didn't work out. And we were told we'd have to do in vitro and along came Knox five years after we gave up. So Knox came and knocking. Uh, oh, it was a blessing. Cause honestly, we would have been divorced for sure. If Knox hadn't come along, the only thing that kept me going was like, Oh, do I really want to put him through what the girls already had to go through? And, um, you know, I'd reached just basically bottom rock bottom. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, this obviously isn't working. I tried everything on my own. My husband's a workaholic alcoholic. And it got to the point where we'd been together for uh, close to 15 years and he got physical with me. 
for like the first time. It was just weird. Like it was out of like, oh, who is this person? I didn't even know who I was married to anymore. And so I was talking about divorce. I went and saw an attorney and I was like, okay, I don't know what else to do at this point. And um, he checked into rehab. And then I just, it was like something clicked in me and I know what it was. It was like my survival mode, that self-preservation mode kicked back in the fear of abandonment, all those issues Mm. kicked back in. And then I started drinking a lot. He'd quit drinking and he still is not drinking. (laughs) I'll take it up. (laughs) And then I just went to like high school default, Maury, numb the pain, like escape mode. And I was leaving him with our child. He was a baby. I mean, he was like maybe two years old at the time and I was leaving him with Knox. So I would just go out with my girlfriends and I ended up cheating on him. And it was just, it was just a really bad situation. And I, but I told him I want a divorce and he just went leave. He was like, no, we're going to make this work. And then I'm like, okay, well now I cheated on you. So now I put the nail on the coffin. So now, or like, now, now can we have a divorce? <laughs> that was almost like he was trying and I was pushing him away at yeah. that point. And so um, we had some friends that stepped in and they had totally turned their lives around. And I had known them since we were 18 and he randomly called and asked them to come over. And these are friends that you see once every couple of years, but you stay in contact with, but right. not like you're super close. And they showed up and it was just one word that she said to me in my kitchen and I get emotional. And it literally, it turned everything around for me. And, um, all three of them don't drink. And here I am, I've killed at least a bottle of wine over dinner myself. And I'm like, don't preach your Jesus juice to me. Don't Bible thump me. I'm not listening to anything you guys have to say, because I knew them back when they were young and dumb and wild, but they really, I mean, they are like, to this day, they are definitely mentors and people I look up to. And Chris knew that my husband knew that. And he was like, okay, if they can turn it around, like we totally can (laughs) is basically what he was thinking. And when um, they came over that night, I, as you know, as I'm hammered, polished off some wine, I somehow got suckered into going to church the next day. And we lived in Westland, Oregon at the time and had to drive like 45 minutes to this church. And I'm like hungover and grumbling the whole way. Like, what did I commit to? Why are we even going? This is a waste of time, like complaining the entire way up to church. And we got there and I couldn't tell you what the sermon was about, but God definitely was speaking through the pastor that day. That's a church we still go to three years later. Um, and then by the end of that sermon, I was somehow signed up for Bible college. <laughs> I, was like, wow. I, thought I, was doing, I thought I was doing a Bible study and I show up on Tuesday, literally first time really going to church in a very long time on Sunday, Tuesday, I'm in Bible college. And that is really what was pivotal and like the turning moment for me. They were talking about like God's righteousness and who you are in Christ. And it was just stuff I'd never heard before. You know, I was just like, it was an eye opener. So God was definitely working. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. That's so amazing. I just, so you go and you hear this incredible sermon where really, I mean, Jesus is just talking into your heart. Yeah. And then you sign up for Bible college. Was there a moment that like after that, you were like, oh crap, what have I done? Or were you like, this is it? Like, were you just false to the wall after that? It was so weird. I literally thought it was just a Bible study. I didn't know. I joke around because those same friends that came over for dinner that talked us into going to church, 
Um, I tell him he's an amazing salesperson because he literally bamboozled me into going and I'm like signing papers and he's like, here, you need to go to this. It's Tuesday night. And I'm like, okay, what are we doing? I think I was still hungover. I didn't even know I was, I didn't know what was going on, but I showed up and literally I just kept showing up. Something was happening. And so I just kept showing up. I'm like, this feels good. I want to know more of this because obviously what I, what I was doing wasn't working. So time to try something different. Right. But God was definitely those Tuesday nights at Bible college, they were stirring. I was learning things I'd never heard before. Um, and I just kept showing up Tuesday night and Sundays. And a month later I got baptized and, you know, of course something started happening in the spiritual realm. But when I do something, I pretty much just do it. And I just kept showing up and I won't say that it was like lightning struck me and I changed overnight. Nothing, none of that, no tingly sensation, no clouds opening up, nothing dramatic, but it literally has been like glory to glory, little by little, Mm. he's totally changed me. And if you like saw my life three years ago and you see me now, like even my adult kids are just like, okay, new Maury. Like last night, I'm drinking LaCroix and I'm like, see, it's like a white claw, only better. And they're just like, you know, they just (laughs) turned 21. So they think it's, you know, yeah. So it's crazy. Keep showing up. Isn't that the truth though? Like in everything that we go through, I mean, I remember when I had the quads and people were like, how are you doing this? I'm like, I just, I have to show up every single day. Like I don't have the luxury not to show up. Yeah. <laughs> so much happens when you're just like, okay, I can show, I can show up today. Yep. I can yep. do it today. Exactly. It's, yeah. it's huge. And you know, my husband said that because he, you know, he went to rehab for 30 days to not drink. And he goes, I can't say I'm never drinking ever again, especially when he had a wife like me that was like the next like probably six to nine months after he quit, I was drinking more than I probably ever had. And he's like, what the heck? And I, you know, props to him. Cause I don't know how he did it. I couldn't have done it, but he says, I just tell myself just not today, not today. Tomorrow I wake up and say not today. And you know, it's crazy, but literally in business and exercise and nutrition, you can apply it to anything. You just yeah. show up today, just do your very best today. And then tomorrow do it again. Yeah. It's yeah. so true. You know, it's, what's that? How do you eat an elephant? Little by little. Right? Yeah. Like, bite, bite, bite. Exactly. That's ever eat yeah. an elephant. Cause that's horrible. And gross. <laughs> <laughs> very sad. So talk about, you talk about the, um, the steps that you take, you say how to heal wounds of abandonment and abuse and stop chasing the things that never satisfy. So as you continue to show up, and like, just really allow God to pour into your heart. I mean, we met at a book writing retreat where you were writing this book, where you began writing this book and um, you ended up taking a prophecy class and like, God has such a strong hold on you. And it's so beautiful. And I witnessed a prophecy over you while we were at that <laughs> book writing conference. And it was just amazing. But what are some of the things that, that you do that you talk about in this book to, to help people heal? Because I mean, you, you went through 40 years holding on, like carrying this extremely heavy baggage of trauma into every relationship you have moving forward. So how do you help somebody like practically right now today? How do you help somebody heal from that? Yeah. So that I initially started writing this book for my adult daughter, just so they could kind of understand because my mom died and I didn't get a lot of information out of her that I wish I would have asked some questions. Even now I start asking my dad, cause I'm not real close with my family and we want to know the history. Right. 
Well, the girls, I just wanted them to understand some of the craziness that I came from so they could understand maybe some of my crazy parenting techniques <laughs> as they got into high school. Um, and that's uh, where this birth from. And then it was, it became really healing. And then at the writing conference, you know, Jenny and the Tetelstein ministry, she was like, other people can benefit from the story. And then I was like, oh, and I, God's been tugging on my heart. I was in high school, talk about prophecy. This mom didn't even know she was prophesying over me at the time. And I lived with her for a year and she was like, you have an amazing story. And this was even, you know, at 16 years old. She goes, you need to write a book. And I reached out to her. I do mention her in the book. And I did reach out to her recently. And I was like, well, it took, you know, I don't know, 30 years or so. But I, yeah, I finally did it. I did it. And there, the story just got juicier. The plot line just got juicier. Um, so I and then I as I was writing the story. So the first half of the book is really my story. And then the second half is the steps I took. And I thought, what if someone would have given this to me? What would have helped me as a teenager with that background? What would have helped teenage Maury avoid those years, those decades in the wilderness, essentially? Yeah. And um, I just wrote down step by step exactly what I did. Cause I'm a very like, like, give me bullet points, tell me how to do something Let and I'll just keep list. showing up. I'll keep showing up because I know eventually it'll work. Right. Yeah. So, you know, the first step was actually like, finding a church, get, and not just, you know, CEO Christian, not just Christmas and Easter Christian, but actually go every week. Cause you never know the devil's going to give you all sorts of excuses, lay in bed. It's your day off, sleep right. in, um, drink too much on Saturday. And you're not going to feel like getting up on Sunday, all those fun excuses. Right. Um, but that might be the sermon that does that just that quarter yeah. turn, just that one eighth of a turn to your heart that totally changes the trajectory of your whole life. Because literally my friend in the kitchen said one sentence to me when I was like, I don't love him anymore. I just don't care. I'm, I've fallen out of love because I lived on my feelings, hundred percent lived off my feelings, which did not work. Don't do it <laughs> for 40 years of my life. And I told her, I just, I'm not in love. And she's like, yep, trust me. I've been married for 20 years. Like, do you think i just feel loving every day? She goes, love's a choice. Mm. And it was like, a light bulb went off in my head. Just that one sentence. You never know that one thing that's going to hit that's actually going to change everything for you. So the first advice is obviously just get involved in a church and not every church is awesome. And, you know, pray about it before you go. Ask the Holy Spirit, show up, show me if this is where I'm meant to be. And you'll know, like, you'll just know. We drove 45 minutes. There were millions of churches in the area, but we drove for 45 minutes for this church. Next thing, I got baptized. I didn't feel like I was good enough. I didn't feel like I was um, ready to be good or not. I, I felt like I was going to miss out on something. Like I'd have FOMO. Oh, like, that's I, so I good, felt, Maury. Because like, so many people do that. Right? I needed to fit this box. And I wasn't ready to be hindered, to get mm. baptized, to commit. You know what I mean? All right. the things. Which is totally the devil just holding you back. Just from all the blessings. Right? right. And I just, it was, my husband was like, I'm doing it. We're doing this. Like, let's do it. And he just basically told me you're doing this. And so I was like, okay, I am good enough. I am worthy, but it was, it was a worthiness thing. So then I got baptized and I would say that's when things really started shifting more. Um, I know something was definitely stirring in the spiritual realm. I would, 
I talk about like, um, you know, my heart condition basically, cause I had a very hardened heart. I was, I was a tough case, <laughs> heart of stone. And I think it, it's something in the spiritual realm gave me the shock, like the EKG or whatever they call it, where they shock your heart. I'm pretty sure something like that happened that day in the spiritual realm. Um, but the biggest thing for me, another step that was harder that I thought I had already accomplished was forgiveness. The things that were holding me back was I still held a grudge towards my parents for leaving me with these horrible people and getting bounced around. But I thought I had forgiven them because I had a relationship with them later in adulthood. Um, but, you know, through some of my small groups and different journaling exercises, I realized, oh, there's definitely some unforgiveness there. And um, the people that sexually abused me and, and God, I resented God. I'm like, why did you let this happen to me? Um, so I had to really work through some of that forgiveness issues. Um, and I write about like this specific, I give literally specific exercises that I did to help forgive. Um, I break it down really simple. Cause again, I didn't, I was totally green to all things God when I got started. So I broke it down, stupid, simple praying, like praying every day, just, uh, and it can start out just a simple prayer, right? Before you get out of bed, just yeah. gratitude wise. Um, getting baptized in the Holy spirit. That's another one. I never, I thought it was so weird. I'm like, this is weird. What are people doing talking in these tongues? I'm like, you guys are faking it. You're all weird. Right. right. Um, but that literally has been a game changer for me. And I don't know how it works. I don't make the rules, but it, right. it works for me. And I, why fix something that's not broken? Like I know where I was before, when I thought that was weird and I'm not going to do that. And I waited probably about a year, maybe nine months or so before I even attempted that. Yeah. And all the people that I looked up to were telling me just to do it. Like you want what we have, do what we do. And I'm like, okay. So again, just started showing up, just started doing it. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to think of what else I put in there. I should probably know. Maybe you should edit well, this I love part. that too about, um, you know, I think one of the things that I started realizing to become more spiritually mature is releasing, having to understand how and why it all, it all works, you know, like yeah. I say with my air quotes that y'all can't, see. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's, that's one thing that I had to do because I want things to make sense. I mean, yes. that's our human nature is we want to understand. We want to be able to reconcile things in our head. And sometimes a lot of the times in our faith journey, we don't get the answer. We don't yeah. get the, the full picture on this side of heaven. And that Absolutely. is a big block for a lot of people to yeah. why, you know what? I'm not, I just fine. It's, it's not worth it to me. You know, yeah. You're missing out on so much. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I try to look at it as like, Sometimes you figure things out way later and sometimes you don't ever, right? Yeah. So now I see things that evolved 20 years ago and I'm like, oh, that's oh, why. Right. Or like even for our kids, we try to give them guidance and they don't get it. They're like, right. they just they're like, what you're just being mean. Like they don't understand. And then when they get older, now my adult daughters are like, Yep, I should have listened to you about right. that, you know. Right. Um, so yeah, I, and being um in a situation as a child where I never had control of anything, control was an issue for me yeah. <laughs> into adulthood as well. So that was another, you know, stronghold of made it a, an extra layer yeah. of um, having to let go of knowing everything. <laughs> yeah. So what, so, 
Maury, what is, as we wrap out, what is, what is like your biggest piece of advice that you would give to the woman that is listening today that is curious, like that hasn't fully committed. I mean, she's listening to this podcast, which is about taking you to your next level of faith, but maybe she hasn't fully committed. Like you were saying, like, but what if I miss out? What, what, you know, still kind of holding on to those, what ifs, what, what piece of encouragement or advice would you give to that woman today? I'd always say is what you're doing right now working for you. And if not, are you willing to try something different? So I really had to exhaust every possible thing in my tool belt before, you know, basically God laid me flat on my back and forced me to look up at him. And that's what finally made me say, okay, I'm going to try something different because this isn't working. And, you know, at 40 years old, I hope people figure it out before I did, but it's never too late. I am living proof of that and better late than never. Uh, And just, just trust that God is going to show up even when you don't see him, when you don't feel him, that's the biggest thing. Cause I lived off of my feelings and I didn't feel things. I'm like, God's not talking to me. And I realized he just talks like, it's just a thought or an impression or something on my heart. It's not like this audible voice or this, like, you know, I, I was expecting something dramatic from the movies really. Cause that's what my whole reality was <laughs> based off of things I saw on TV and in a yeah. movie. Um, so, and just keep showing up, just do the, you know, like we said, just do show up today and do the right thing today and give it a shot today. And you're going to mess up. We're so I start out the first chapter with here. I was a year into my journey thinking I'd turned around. And when, you know, when you're pushed under stress and under pressure, your default mode tends to be the first thing that comes out and that's fine. You're going to mess up. We're human and just repent for it and just pick up and try to do your best again the next day. And that's all we can do. And just trust the process and let go of trying to have it all figured out. Cause all it's going to do is eat you up, stress you out and kill every relationship. It poisons everyone around you. Cause then they're stressed out because you're stressed out. (laughs) Right. And I mean, I love that you brought that into it because like, not only are you doing this, the spiritual work, but like you have taken back over your health and like, I mean, you've always been a fit person, but now you've got that really zoned in and you're leading other women in this area to really bring in their health and nutrition and get them their vessel back where it needs to be. And it's, it's so important because it is, it's that one thing every day. It applies to everything in your life. Like what can I do today? I don't need to worry about tomorrow. Forget about yesterday. What can I do today? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Cause then it's overwhelming, but if you know, okay, today I'm going to do this today. And then it becomes a habit and your life will become those habits and those daily choices that you make over time. They just compound for better or worse. (laughs) It's so true. It's so true. All right, Maury, we're going to go speed round. Are you ready? Ready. (laughs) She's like, ready. Ah! (laughs) Ready as I'll ever be. (laughs) Okay. Pizza or tacos? Ooh, tacos. What's your favorite flavor of bubble water? Ooh, cranberry raspberry. I believe it is. Or maybe it's cranberry lime. I love the cranberry lime. I love oh, cranberry, lime. raspberry, or lime in any combination are good. I, yes. <laughs> Give me all the lime drinks. It's delicious. <laughs> what is your favorite workout to do? I love legs. I love a good leg day because I can just, like go heavy and I feel like I've actually accomplished something yeah. when I can't sit down to go potty the next day. <laughs> go like, down yes! the stairs. <laughs> walking lunges, um, split squats, you name it, anything yeah. like 
anything like I love it. What is a place to go to on your bucket list? Maldives or Iceland? Ooh, those are so different. Yeah, all of them. I want to go do an African safari too. Wow. <laughs> and you just got back from Hawaii. Yes. Which was yes. incredible. We stay at the same resort, there. which is amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'm putting it out there, God. Let me afford a home on Kauai. <laughs> yes. And let me go visit. Okay. <laughs> I love it. All right. Last one. What is your favorite book of the Bible? Oh, that's so hard. I want to say maybe Romans because it was the first one I really got into that kind of made me understand mm. who I am and who yeah. he says I am, not who the world says I am or this box that I've created that I think I need to be. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. Maury, thank you so much. Any last words for the women listening today or the fellas? If there's yeah. fellas on here. You know what? Just give God a shot, give it a shot and show up and look at those people that really have the peace, the joy in their life. If you can find a couple people in your life that have the peace and the joy that you want, and ask them, what, how did you get here? What do you do? And listen to them because why reinvent the wheel? They have what you want. And I'm not talking about material things because anyone can acquire, which I had all the material things. Okay. And I was still super miserable. Mm -hmm. I thought if I get this, this, and this, then I'll be happy. Well, you get that. And then you're like, no, that's not it. Still not there. So find the people that really have that inner peace and joy. And you'll know they stand out in this world right now. They stand out. Shall do. (laughs) Run after them and ask for their advice and do what they say to do. As long as it's in the Bible and what God says. (laughs) (laughs) Right. As long as it's not so so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Maureen, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with us today. All right, my friends, remember the best version of you begins on your next level of faith. Bye for now.